Denton. We're a kid and her dad. Talk about the news. Welcome to ACAD Tatten. We're a kid and her dad. Talk about the news. I'm the kid. And I'm her dad. And we are here to talk about the news. Well, folks, it has been um, quite a while since we had a, a, a full ACAD Tatten, and we've got a full ACAD Tatten for you this week, don't we, Nahar? Yeah, we do. Um, so, as usual, we'll hit some uh, coronavirus events. Some, some non-coronavirus events. Some, some um, non-important news. <laughs> well, well, not important to us. But important. But but important to us in the sense that it's um, very amusing. Uh, some explaining up and then current events. And then news, comments, and letters. We've got some information for you all about some of the comments that you have made. And so we want to check in about that. Before we go any further, um, Nahar, let's talk about Yildi COVID virus. Okay. So, right now, we have, like, a higher infection rate. So, more people are getting the virus. But less people are dying from it. In fact, recently we saw that... Um, younger people are getting it. Yeah, right. Younger people are getting it. And... We had one of the highest reported infection rates per day. For a long time, but... Since March, I think. But not really, not as many people die. Right. And partly that is because younger people are getting it. And what are, do you know, know, like, what are some of the challenges with the fact that it's younger people getting it? They are usually more careless than people who are older because they don't have as much experience and they don't. and they might not be symptomatic they yeah, might not even the know they have the coronavirus and then they may like go to their grandparents house and be like hey how are you doing mother or grandmother and then be like <laughs> and then just like touch them and then they would get the coronavirus well and it's also not just visiting grandparents but like Grocery stores. Yeah, right? older shoppers or older cashier years. Someone I know had that happen where they're like, they were feeling kind of weird, but not like... Had COVID? Bad, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, tests are free. Let me get a test. And they had COVID virus. Well... Coronavirus. COVID um, And so they were really glad they did it. One of the reasons they wanted to get tested is because they were thinking about going to visit their older parents. Yeah. And they're like, Whoa. Good thing we went and got the test because I could have. Yeah. I felt Unknown. weird, but not sick. And they, like, think about how, for as many people who would do that, how many aren't? <laughs> Probably 75% of the population. I don't know what that number is, but. It, it's a number. We do know that many states in the United States are, are doing. Are, are, are seeing opening. much higher increases, whereas here because in Massachusetts. We're opening up. Or they're opening up. Massachusetts, opening. we have... Um, we're, we're smart. Well, it's not about smartness. It's it just has to do not... about law and control. Yeah. And we are seeing, like, if we can have borders. So oh, that's people... right. The governor of New York and Connecticut and Massachusetts, Massachusetts had a meeting to... Um, Zoom, I assume. I do assume it was Zoom. I don't... I didn't actually even think about that, but they had a Zoom meeting, probably. Um, or maybe use, they used meat. 
doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, to talk about what it would be like for them to institute mandatory quarantine if you're coming from states that are not controlling COVID. So if you come from Florida or, or... Uh, Alabama, I think was the other one mentioned, that, and you come to Massachusetts Texas. or New York or Boston, then you might have to do a 14-day mandatory quarantine, which is interesting. Like, thinking about states operating that intensely... As a border. We've never really... I, I got that I know, into that, no. At least not in a long time. But, yeah. So, uh, the other piece of news that's related to this, potentially, um, is that we've been doing more testing around not just do you have it now, but have you had it? And the antibody test has revealed, we don't know this, but initial data suggests it's possible. So, we thought it was 2%? No. No, no. We thought it was... What? I don't know what you're talking about. So it was. It was like, it was like, two. What's it? I'm just going to say that I'm just giving an example. There's like two people of the population have it, but now twenty people of the population have it. Yeah. So the way you can say that, just say, ten times mm-hmm. as many people. It was something with two. May have ha- had COVID. And the reason that that the number might be so much higher is because they had it, but they didn't have symptoms. Yes. So the antibody test looks in the blood to see, hey, has this body, as in the blood of the person, uh fought off this virus? And if it has, they find this COVID antibody. And what's weird is they're getting antibody tests coming back positive and when they ask the person that the blood came from hey did you have coronavirus they go no no definitely not but their body says yes i definitely have had coronavirus so that is really interesting if it's if that's confirmed i don't think it's confirmed yet but that could possibly mean that the death rate is much lower than we thought it was before right that it's still killing as many people and we know that because they're dead yes. uh, uh, but that many more people might have it which means that explains partly why the spread is happening so intensely yeah um and you know it the coronavirus continues to spread it's not like that just people are being stupid right yeah some people are being stupid and there's other some reasons we're learning about it that are are different there's more people than we thought initially um and and at this point in time the united states is the single kind of largest uh rate and number of infections but um number two is brazil yeah and and we we recently watched a video about um some of the places in brazil that are, are um Kind of on communities the on the Amazon. Amazon, right? Yeah, they're like river communities, and you know, I, I they think they're like the hospital ambulances are hospital Bodia lampas. Bodia lampas, <laughs> <laughs> boat ambulance. Yeah, and sometimes it's like an hour away by boat to get to the nearest hospital. Yeah, um, not everywhere. Obviously, there are obviously. there are big cities in Brazil that are hospitalized just cities. Um, but so Brazil is having a really intense um, 
time with, with COVID and the, the the infrastructure is what we would call that is is um, not as established in some places as it is others. And, and the consequence of all that, at least in the United States, is some really kind of intense um, yeah. shifting. And we're going to talk a little bit um, for a period now about kind of the the, the consequences on, on the economic side of it. Economic, and um, yeah. right now we're looking at a graph. Um, do you want to explain what the graph is, Nahar? The graph is the Dow Jones mm-hmm. Industrial average right so we're looking at the the um dow jones average index which kind of says um as the as the line is up nahar what does that mean it means these uh it means companies are making more money the value the value oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the value of the products of the stock of the stock oh yeah that's what they call the stock market uh, the value of the stock, the things that they're selling, the thing that they're owning do, the company. Oh yeah, same. Oh, lo- oh no. Okay. Yeah. So owning stock, the company. The value of the little piece of the company that you own is going up, and that's good because if you have a branch of that company, like if you paid for a little owning a little bit of that company then you get more money so i don't even know if it's worth talking about it being good or not i don't even know as if we need to have that conversation what i know is people who own it like it because they when it's worth more because then they can sell it for more right so we're looking at this graph it is today we're looking at it from june 26th the Dow Jones Industrial Average Index, and we could see starting in January of um, 2020, it's kind of going along. It's going a little dip, up. a little dip at the end of January. And it starts to climb again in February, and then by the time we're three quarters of the way through February, so that's probably February 20th or something. Then we go. What exactly was that? Huge, huge tank. Uh, a, temp, a, a slight, there's like little peaks beginning of March, all the way through, there's little tiny climbs. But, but, but essentially, from the third week of February until the middle of March, total decline. Mm-hmm. Um, Minus 13%. Yeah, a 13% fall from the beginning of March to the middle of March. Um, and we're looking at like a 20% tank mm-hmm. in the whole thing. Then in the middle of March, it starts to kind of climb back up. Again. And there's climbs and falls, but from the middle of March, more or less, until the beginning of June, maybe the second week of June, first week of Mm -hmm. June, fairly steady climb. And then a big fall again in the second week of June. And it appears to be on the decline again. What we're seeing is a huge amount of economic... Um, instability. GBGBGBGBGB is how Nahar says instability. Yeah. And um, what that means is it's, I think, hard for companies to think about what they're doing at the big national scale. Some of the companies that are in the Dow Jones Stock Exchange are like the tape company, 3M. Tape company? Yeah, they make tape. Um, what? Some other things you've heard about. Apple. 
Yeah. Boeing, Caterpillar, Coca-Cola, Chevron, Disney. So a l- lot of things that people have heard about. Uh, Home Depot. <laughs> yes, Home Depot. Um, uh, and and what that means for work, what that means for people trying to get jobs, what that means for governments, um, all all pretty challenging because it continues <laughs> yes. to fluctuate pretty wildly. There's discussion, and I don't think it's concluded yet, but there's discussion there might even be another stimulus check sent out because yes. the government is recognizing. And, then, <laughs> and Trump said, yeah, yeah, if that goes through, I'll definitely sign it. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even hear that. <laughs> so we'll see if the second one goes through. Um, people are needing to figure it out. Yeah, they are. But luckily, coronavirus isn't the only thing that's going on. So here's some non-coronavirus news. I don't know if this is lucky or not, but um, <laughs> <laughs> there is other news. So... This one is another one of these kind of w- w- weird ones. Oh, very weird. Um, so we talked last time about the way that um, the Supreme Court has SCOTUS. feeder courts that are the, the district courts. And then inside of the district courts... Did you say fear courts? F- fear courts. No, <laughs> feeder courts. Oh. Um, that send cases that are appealed up to the Supreme Court. Well, yes. inside of those district courts, there's also these, these state courts. Well, the Southern District of New York <clears throat> there's, has this court, and um, there was um, a, a guy named Jeff, or Jeffrey um, yeah. Berman, who was the U.S. attorney in that um, state, the, the Southern <laughs> District of New York... And he was the federal um, prosecutor who was investigating uh, some people that were... Well, do you remember who the people were and who they were connected to? The ones that I remember are um, Michael Cohen and Rudy Giuliani. Yep. And um, so Giuliani's the kind of like weird public advisor, speaker guy for Trump. And remember what Cohen did? Speaker guy. Michael Cohen was his lawyer. Yeah, he like was a lawyer that worked for him. People call him called him the, the fixer. So he would, if you're negatively viewing it, he's the guy who would like deal with the problems that Trump and the Trump campaign were having that needed to like just take care of this. Yeah, uh, not we don't know what he was doing exactly. <laughs> well, so, he's he was serving time in jail for yeah, doing some he, things. So so we know that he did some things that are not great. Anyway, the person who was investigating those people in the Southern District of New York was a guy named Jeffrey Berman. And um Goffrey Berman or Jeffrey Berman? Jeffrey, they call him Jeff. Oh. But um yeah, he's a G E Jeff. As opposed to a J-E, Jeff. I've never heard of that. You have heard it. It's called Jeffrey. Ah. It's just <laughs> pronounced Jeffrey, even though it's spelled Geoffrey. Anyway, um, so this week he got a piece of news that was really interesting to him. <laughs> he found out that um, he had... Resigned. He had resigned. Uh, problem is... He hadn't resigned. He hadn't resigned. Yeah, that's weird. And so when he kind of shared the fact that he hadn't resigned... He was informed that... Uh, then Trump must have fired him. <laughs> he would be forced to resign. So, this raises a question. If 
if what this guy is doing is investigating a lot of cases that are pretty clearly connected to President Trump and President Trump's people, and he's been fired, uh, that makes some people feel very suspicious. Now, the other thing I learned, which I didn't know, and I don't know if we talked about this, is people say it's totally normal when a new president comes in or at the beginning of their term to oh. fire and hire a bunch of people. Yeah, but this but, person but has six, wait, six months? Uh, five months. Five months left. Until, in the first term. In the first term. And maybe there isn't a second term. Or, because Trump will, will, will get elected again. But he, Or even he, if he is, it's a he, second term. You can't, no. So there's nothing illegal about firing, firing the guy. Him. It's just a little suspicioso. Suspicioso. So we're tracking that mm-hmm. Jeffrey Berman case. Um, especially weird because of the like announcement he'd resigned, and then he was like, "No, no, no I didn't." No, I didn't. So it's just awkward, awkward all around. Yeah. Which is, uh, I guess, the way things are now. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, next up, we've got our um, still non-coronavirus, our, our non-coronavirus, very not important news. Yes. Nahar, take it away. <laughs> okay. So it's important for the like it's actually important for the place where this takes place, but it's special. So the Poland. We just learned this happened about a month ago, but it just became news nationally. And so we thought we'd report on it because, well, we're we're hard-hitting newscasters. Yes. So, Poland, which is somewhere, like over there. You want to? You don't? You don't know where Poland is? Nope. What continent is Poland in? Europe? No, it's not in Europe. Yeah, it's Europe. <laughs> I'm gonna pause. And get a map so Nahar can learn about the world. Okay, so Nahar, uh, you know where Poland is now? <laughs> yes, it is east of Germany yep. and above Czechoslovakia, Czechos- the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, which are different things right now. Yep, that's correct. Okay, so what happened in Poland? Um, they accidentally take this. Mind this, accidentally invaded the Czech Republic. It's just a minor misunderstanding. So there's a weird map reading situation where a a, a group of of Polish soldiers uh, were actually over the border of the Czech Republic by... Like 10 feet or something. I think it was more like 10 yards. Same thing. Um, And they were in a space they weren't supposed to be because they were across the border... And there was a minor kerfuffle. Because the Czech, the, the people who were there, like, were like, oh, Hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And, and they're, they're like, like no, we're just we're, standing here. We're in our own country. And then, um, whatever, however it was that got resolved, the, the statement was from the Polish defense ministry, which was like, whoops, sorry, our bad. Um, oh, just a minor misunderstanding. Sorry. And I just think, I'm glad nothing... Okay. Like, violent happened and i also think it's hilarious <laughs> that in 2020 people can like read maps wrong and accidentally invade somewhere else well and i think invasion right it wasn't like they fought it yeah. was just like if a bunch of canadian mounted police like rode down into buffalo and they're like oh we thought this was ours 
Yeah. It would be weird. Buffalo, New York. Mm. Anyway, so be careful about that the the I Polish military because they're gonna maybe ask. they're coming for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If you're in Czech Republic, <laughs> Czech Republic. right next to Poland. Right next. Um, that's it. That's our not important news. And next, uh, we're going to do a little bit of an explain it up. And we're going to be talking about qualified immunity. All right. Here we go. Explain it up. Where we explain stuff real good. All right, so today we're talking about qualified immunity, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we do, we have to distinguish between um, civil trials in court and criminal trials in court. They're different things. Nahari, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So criminal cases is different from civil cases because one is from the government to the to a person saying you couldn't have done that, and one is from a a person to another person, and which is which? Um, yeah. So the but I want to before we do the which is which. What's the concept? What is the result of a criminal case? If you, someone is found guilty, what do they have to do? Jail time. Jail time usually, right? Usually, or community service or something. Yeah. And what's the result of a civil case? Almost always. You have to pay in money, right? Or like, yeah, like community work for that specific person. No, usually it is con- the, the it's money. It's money. That is what a civil case is for for damages. Okay. Um, you pay for the damages, right? And they could be emotional or something like that. So, yeah. the result of a criminal trial is usually, if if you're guilty, is criminal trial is jail time. Is jail time. That's correct. And if you're found guilty in a civil trial, then the result is... You have to pay money to that person. That's correct. So, qualified immunity is not about being immune from criminal, but only about being immune from civil trials. And... In general, the way that this kind of law works is it's about government officials being immune in certain cases from civil um, lawsuits. And while it is true that it's for government officials in general, who's the, the group of government officials that tends to use qualified immunity? The most. Police. Police. Okay. So... The way that this works is, um, actually, before it works, argue for like the steel man argument. Who people who are in favor of qualified immunity? What are they saying about why it's important? Like, what what does it do, and what does it allow for? So that when police are on the job, they don't reluctantly arrest. I mean, not arrest, but like shoot or use excessive force against a person because they are afraid that they will go to court and be found guilty. Of a civil suit. Yes. Right. So the idea is it allows people whose jobs are hard and dangerous and potentially stressful to know that they are... Protected uh, in some ways. They are protected in some ways, right? Okay. So, 
the qualified immunity test to see if you are immune mm -hmm. in an appropriately qualified way has <laughs> two prongs. That's a kind of legal word for two parts. The first part, do you remember what the first part is? The first part is to see if they actually did anything that violated the Constitution. Right. So if you do something that violates the, um, the Constitution, then, um, then you move on to the second part of the prong. However, if you, if, you, not, if you apply the test and you, in fact, didn't do anything that was in violation of the, the, Constitution. the Constitution, then you are immune. Immune. And you can even skip that question. Well, and, and just since go. 2009, people have been able to skip the first part of the prong and, and to just go on straight to the second. Now, the second part of the prong, the second prong, the second part of the qualified immunity test says yes. what? Says, uh, did you know, did you in knowing, know full knowledge, no, well. Knowing knowledge, did you do that? That's the first prong. What's the second prong? No, did you... Is there a place where before... Yep. It's very similar, but is there a place before that you could have seen that and knowingly known that it had... No, you're, you're almost there. It, it's going to say, did the violation that happened uh, in the first prong, okay. does it um, resemble a no. clearly established precedent? Of another case that had happened and they were guilty. Right. So and first it, test, it, it first was... part of the prong, I mean, first prong, <laughs> did you violate the Constitution? S second... If you say yes, I did. Was that violation of the Constitution similar to another case? To a previous and clearly established. That's going to be the the, the language that's really important. Clearly established precedent. President. So does the way it, it works is. Does the case that it refers to also have to be another cop? Uh, it has to be similar enough to be like the thing that you're looking at now. Ah. So here's the way it works. First prong, violation of constitution. If you didn't violate it, then you are immune. Immune. If you did, you move on to the second test. Second test. If you skip it, then you, you move, just on, move, to the move on to the second test. test. Second test. Um, is the thing that happened, what, whether it's a violation or not, is the thing that happened similar uh, to a clearly established precedent? <laughs> if it's not, then you get immunity. Yes. If it is, then you don't. Well, so here's the thing. Um, we are seeing an increase in the number of rulings that um, are ruling in favor of immunity being granted to police officers. So the, the, there's an interesting Reuters study on this. Um, between uh, 2000, and, let's see, 2017 and 2019, about 60% of the cases that are heard related to qualified immunity go in favor of uh, the, the, the police getting qualified immunity. Yes. Um, that is up from uh, about 47%. So we see an increase of about 15% um, 
over the course um, of, of, a few of a decade. Years. Yeah, of, of a decade. Um, and and what's what's really tricky about this from people who are critical about qualified immunity is what it is that actually counts as clear clearly established. Clear established is super super specific, specific um, narrow. So here's so here's some examples that the Reuters case, the Reuters investigative reporting found where the two cases were called different and not similar enough to count as clearly established. So here's Nahar is going to share two different cases that are different enough to have it not count as clearly established. Um, so the first case. The it, first com- set of comparisons is yes. between two cases. But between a shooting between shooting at a dog and instead hitting a child and shooting at a truck instead and instead hitting a passenger right so even though it seems as if that i'm trying to do this and i miss and i hit this and i'm trying to do this it was different enough that the court says the difference between the truck and truck and the dog in the difference between the child and the passenger are different enough that they do not not they do not unqualify qualified immunity right um similarly um there's another one with um the difference between subduing a woman for walking away from an officer and subduing a woman for refusing to end a phone call. Another one. Is unleashing a police dog to bite a motionless suspect in a bushy ravine. And unleashing a police dog to bite a compliant suspect in a canal in the woods. So what's interesting is this has been coming up in the news and it isn't just kind of uh, journalists or activists who are um, talking about this. Uh, We found this really interesting um, case in 2011 where actually a judge um, in the the court, what's his name? James Browning, who's in a Texas, uh, no, no, New Mexico court, um, recognized in his decision that it's really, really challenging. And so in his case, there was qualified immunity granted, and he felt like he had to based on the law, even though the difference was um, between uh, someone who subdued someone on the ground in one uh, case, and the comparison was to another case that was very similar, but the number of people in the room was different, and the things that were being yelled in the room were different things than were being yelled in the previous case. The number of people doesn't matter the place where it happened. And so he says in his ruling, I have to, with reluctance, grant immunity, um, but I'm concerned that, um, I that I shouldn't have to because um, and the, the line here, as he says, is, a court can almost always manufacture a factual distinction. And that's a judge. That's a judge saying that. So if it's the case that you can always create some kind of distinction, or distinction 
then you have then then it raises the question of like what is this immunity now you can't unless the person like want to yell at a cop looked at their phone looked at another case went to the place that it happened found a cop there said the exact same thing yes i suppose in that instance if they were word for word reading off of a case from clearly established precedent it probably would not qualify for qualified immunity. Yeah. It would fail the second prong. So, people are trying to to ask questions about it and say this isn't right. We're not really sure what's going on. There's lots of cases in the court. Uh-huh. But that is what qualified immunity is. And oh, the other thing to note is mm-hmm. qualified immunity as a as a principle wasn't created by the oh, Yeah, I forgot this. By the legislation, where did it come from? It came from the du- judicial branch. The Supreme Court itself, in a case in I think fifty-seven, nineteen fifty-seven, kind of created qualified immunity as because, a result of a ruling because they thought that's what it said. So sometimes we'll call that judicial activism when, like, essentially, like new laws or new legal principles emerge from the courts instead of the courts ruling on something. They kind of essentially function to create it. Okay, so that's qualified immunity. And now we're going to talk about the events that go with it. Explain it up where we explain stuff real good. So, as you know, the news that we do at the end, the current events that we do at the end, yeah, it is related to the explain it up that we have just done. So, the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday officially passed up revisiting its 50-year-old doctrine of qualified immunity, which we just talked about, for police officers. And, I guess, other government officials. Yes. This is in spite of intense national outcry over police misconduct and illegal protection that helps cops be shielded from the civil lawsuits. The case being considered what about well the case being considered was about Norman Cooper, a thirty three year old black father who was tased nine times by the San Antonio, which is located in Texas, police officers while having an acute mental health episode inside its parents' homes in 2015. So, like, five years ago. The Supreme Court justices declined to take up the case. Cooper's family filed an excessive force claim, but the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals said the officers had qualified immunity for their actions. That decision still stands. It stands because they the court declined, declined to it. turn it. Yes. Yeah. The case was one of 10 qualified immunity cases that SCOTUS had examined as a possibility for ruling on this thing. But ultimately, it was rejected. So, the courts have declined to take a look at... Sorry, the Supreme Court... SCOTUS. ...has decided they're not deciding... Anything to do with qualified immunity. And so the previous ruling still counts as the ruling. This suggests that if qualified immunity is going to be dealt with, it's going to have to be dealt with by... 
baby courts. The baby courts. Or the toddler courts. Or if we want to change the law, <laughs> the law will be changed by them. No. Who changes the laws in this country? Congress and the Senate. Yeah. We probably will have to finally, in law somewhere, actually... Say something about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, that's our... Um, that's all for news. That's all of our news. But we did want to note, um, we, we we hear you talking to us out there. Um, we we want to give a shout-out to, um, to Andrea Keefe, who has asked us to talk about um, news related to allergies, um, climate change, archetypical memory... And migration patterns. So thank you very much, uh, Andrea Keefe. We also want to say a shout out to... Brian Keefe, who asked us to talk about space flight, specifically SpaceX and NASA and why we do it. And finally, um, to Holly Baldwin. Baldwin, who wants us to talk about... How journalists cover protests. What's a protest? What's a riot? What's looting and how that tends to d vary depending on race. So we don't know if we're going to get to all of those, but we will absolutely get to some, some of them. them. And we want to make sure um, that you know that we're we, we're listening. Yeah, we are trying to help. And if you have any more comments or letters, hit us up on Facebook. Thanks so much. I, I have a great learning week. And remember, keep checking your sources. And it's summer, so yay. I mean, summer's hot, but...